Is it picking up, Andy? Is it picking up? Okay. All right. Wow, that's awesome. I get to talk to this side of the group today. Um, before we do, though, I have an activity that I'd like to do. Of course I do. I always have stuff, right? Um, and if you can just catch this when I throw it to you, that would be... You did it! Good. I was horrible with throwing, right? Good job. Jana, it's really soft. Spider-Man is my favorite. All right. It's small. It's easy to th catch. I'll do a small one. There we go. You want something bigger and throw them farther. I get it. You got it? All right. Soft. Squishy. For the one that's ignoring me. No, I'm joking. You're good? Can I get yours back, Silas? Sure. Thanks. And Robin. Perfect. Thank you. Hold those. You know what? Can I get yours real fast, Jana? I, I see somebody came in. And it didn't even take very much. You'll understand as I go on today why I did that. And I'll need those back because my daughters only let me borrow them, not keep them. <clears throat> I did a similar service or sermon teaching in 2011 um, on benevolence. And I truly believe since then our congregation is doing wonderfully with giving to others and giving to missions and giving um, in times of need to others. <clears throat> There's a little bit as we grow in grace and in knowledge, we come to understand um, what God has for us. Um, we grow in that grace. We grow in that knowledge of what God intended for His people. And in the same way, as I have done this and you guys have practiced it and I've seen it, that understanding has grown. Um, the passage right before Deuteronomy 15, the first two verses or last verses in Deuteronomy 14 says, At the end of every third year you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year and shall deposit it in your town. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the alien, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town, shall come and eat and be satisfied in order that Yahweh your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. <clears throat> that was my focus 11 years ago. God has tremendously blessed us in our congregation. Even as some numbers have went down, we had our business meeting last week, we're still above. You can't attribute that to us. That is of God. Um... However, as we practiced it, and about four years ago, I was telling Kara, <clears throat> as we were doing benevolence, I said, I think we need to tweak it just a little bit according to what God has for us. And because it talks about in um, the chapter 15, it talks about the sabbatical year that's interweaved with the benevolence. And so I started coming up with a teaching, and I started struggling with it, and... Um, as I began to deal with it, I, I thought, there's two sides of this. There's the giving side, which we're doing really good at, and then there's also the receiving, right? The scripture also talks about it's better to, be give, to give than to receive, but there's a mindset. 
and of course, mental health, I get into the mindset of things. And so we're going to look at that a little bit more today. But what I want to do first is I'm going to read all the way through Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 18. That way those who are listening online can understand as I start to look at separate scriptures within it. So Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 18 says, At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a remission of debts. This is a manner of remission. Every creditor shall release what he has loaned to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor and his brother, because Yahweh's remission has been proclaimed. From a foreigner you may exact it, but your hand shall release whatever is of yours is with your brother. However, there will be no poor among you, since Yahweh will surely bless you in the land which Yahweh your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of Yahweh, your God, to observe carefully all this commandment which I am commanding you today. So there we go. There we go again. We see that same blessing that's pointed out in fourteen twenty nine. For Yahweh your God will bless you, as He has promised you. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. You will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers is of any of your towns in your land which Yahweh your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of remission, is near, and your eye is hostile among your poor brother and you give him nothing, then he may cry to Yahweh against you, and it will be a sin in you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing Yahweh your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall surely... You shall freely open your hand to your brother, so you're needy and poor in your land. If your kinsman, a Hebrew man or woman, is sold to you, then he shall serve you six years. But in the seventh year, you shall set him free. When you set him free, you shall not send him away empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your wine vat. You shall give to him as Yahweh your God has blessed you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and Yahweh your God redeemed you. Therefore I command you this today. It shall come about if he says to you, I will not go out from you, because he loves you and your household, since he fares well with you. Then you shall take an awe and pierce it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your servant forever. Also you shall do likewise to your maidservant. It shall not seem hard to you when you set him free, for he has given you six years with double the service of hired man. So Yahweh your God will bless you in whatever you do. Okay, so I preached 11 years ago on 14, 27 through 29. Just about how to give and how to do things. 
Today we're looking at that next portion, and it talks about the sabbatical year. In verse 7, it points out here, it says, If there is a poor man with you, so we're going to talk, what we're going to do first is talk about the attitude of the giver. The attitude of the giver is very important because God's looking at the intention of man's heart when you're giving. If the poor is, if there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns, in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from your poor brother. Wow. That's, um, if somebody, and it goes on to say, if you don't give to them and they cry out, it will be a sin against you. So right there, it talks about attitude. We're supposed to help others in need, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ or those of Israel. That's first and foremost. In 9, in verse 9, it says, Beware there is no base thought in your heart. Okay. Why? Because in the seventh year, the year of remission is near, and in your eye, it, your eye is hostile toward your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry out to the Lord against you. Okay. So this is a part I don't know if we're practicing. And we are really grasping. Um, because we... We in the Torah Club, those who have been studying Torah Club, I'll read some of that in a little bit, talks about the year of remission. And right there, that's interweaved with the giving. What's that mean? It means that we should allow the person that we gave to to pay us back. There's a mindset in our culture that's a welfare piece. We give and we don't expect back. But at the same time, somebody that wants to pay for themselves, which is a giving side, should be able to pay you back. So, how do we practice that without practicing that giving back to the Lord and replacing that money if possible? That's an interesting piece. But also within that, it says, you shall have no base thought. I threw out those little balls, the soft, spongy ones, some of them a little bit harder. But when you caught that, did you have to think about catching it? No. You just put your hands up and grabbed it. That's what he's talking about. There's no base thought. You just do it. For me, when I see somebody poor and I'm going out to lunch, and they're asking for lunch um, money or whatever, and I'm with my girls, Carrie goes, well, you're going over there and I'll get us a seat. Right? There's no base thought. I'm just going to do it. I want my kids to know, Papa's going to go help the poor. He's going to go help that person to eat. So it's just a reaction that we do. So right there in that verse, that's what I wanted to point out to you. But, however, as we go on, think about 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. If we don't do it out of our hearts and out of who we are, we have nothing. That one verse points to the New Testament where Paul talks about if you do this out of just obligation, you have nothing. For in 13, 1 through 3, it says, If I speak with the tongue of men and angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and, and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I have nothing. 
And it goes on to the giving. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. It's the intention of our heart when we give. I know, and one thing that Kara has told me as we have went through this piece, is when you set aside that portion out of your weekly paycheck and it starts to build up, it's no problem to give five or six hundred dollars to somebody. It's sitting there. It's God's money anyways, which is a blessing to give. And so I know that most of us, if not all of us, have an account for benevolence to give in that way. So our reaction and the way we give is not a problem most of the time anymore, which is a huge blessing. I've talked to many pastors over the years and they're surprised. They're like, Wow, that's such a blessing for you to practice. I said, yeah, it's actually in the Torah itself. So we're just practicing what it teaches us, which is not a big problem. Going on to verse 10 of Deuteronomy 15, it says, um, which I just pointed out, you shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing Yahweh your God will bless you in all your work. What I just It's not that I'm pointing something out that I was already doing, it's actually practicing, and when you practice, it just becomes of who you are, which is definitely what God wants us to do. Giving in a biblical way, as I talked about, that, that becomes a little bit more difficult because it takes that mindset of the person that's borrowing to understand that maybe they should try to give back. Um, again, I want to point out to you in Thessalonians, we think of the welfare system here just in America. It was interesting. As I was preparing, Karen and I were talking about this. I, I was like, didn't Roosevelt implement the welfare system? Well, if you look with me, in, um, I believe it was Thessalonians. I do have it in my notes somewhere. Yes, 1 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 13. We actually see Paul addressing something very similar. And it's like he lived in America or something. For it says in 1 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 13, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such a person we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good." Very interesting that they were struggling with the same command of benevolence even back then. Because I've known some people that just, and my own family members at times, they just don't want to work. They just want to keep collecting the welfare. And yet, as I prepared, I thought, well, this is an American concept. And then I looked and I thought, no, no, it's not. There's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon talked about. It's something that even then they were dealing with because some people didn't care to work. The sabbatical year, the giving, talking about 
um, the receiving. Ruth was a, a receiver of benevolence. The interesting piece about this is when you look at Ruth, you don't think of her as receiving benevolence, but at the same time, what's it say in the book of Ruth? She went out and gleaned from the corners of Boaz's fields. She never thought that she had a right for Boaz to give her a handout. Nobody was going and dropping off the grain from the corner of the field. She had to go work for it. She had to gather it. Today, I think some people, and I'm not pointing any fingers, um, but our society thinks that we should just bring it to them. No. I've known, out of my own examples over the past 10 years, of people saying, hey, I'm struggling financially, and I say, you know, and they'll, they come to me and say, hey, can you help me? Ab- absolutely. And they'll tell me, I can do whatever you need around your house. Awesome. So let's figure out how you can do some things around my house, and I'll pay you. I'll probably pay you even more than what it's worth. But it gives them a sense of accomplishment and earning what they're being given. And they know it's not coming from me, it's coming from the Lord. And yet, there is this give and there is this loaning piece to it, which is awesome. I know, in, like I said, Torah Club, a lot of us are going through it. And in Lesson 18, Torah Club, it says... In Exodus 22, 25-27, warns us not to take advantage of the poor by leading, lending to them at interest. In fact, biblical law imposes an absolute ban on charging our spiritual brothers and sister interest. See, and that, that scripture in 15 talks about we can exact the money from those outside the faith. We can ask them, hey, we need that exact amount back. But for our spiritual brothers and sisters, we're not even to charge interest. And those outside, we may charge interest. But on that seventh year of remission, we can ask for those outside for that exact money back. Hey, it's time to clear that debt. I need it back now. But our brothers and sisters, we are to lend to one another freely, not anticipating any return on the loan except the principal amount. In Judaism, the words, if you lend money to my people are understood as a mandate to lend to others who are in need. Therefore, the Jewish community regards it as an obligation to make free loans to the needy in the community. A man sets aside a certain amount of money that he can afford to loan out. When a needy person asks for help, the man already has some money that he can loan to the person. You might think that it would be a greater deed to simply give the man the money, But this robs the man of dignity, makes the money unavailable for the future, charitable loans. Instead, the money should be lent without interest. Then, when it is repaid, it can be loaned out again. For example, suppose you decided that you could afford to loan out $10 every week. That's not much money. But imagine that you loan the $10 to a family in need. The next week, you set aside another $10, and the needy family repaid your $10. Then you would have $20 available to loan the next needy person to cross your path. Think about it as a recycling charity. Are we practicing that? I don't know if we are. 
I think most of us are just giving it and not expecting anything back. Um, I know somebody that one time loaned quite a bit of money back. And they found this scripture and they were going through it. And when it came to that seventh year of that person owing them, they pointed this scripture out, gave that person a document, basically just printed it out, and said, it's paid in full. That person that received that, it was a true blessing, but it was hard to accept because they still wanted to pay it back. And what that person told them was, keep paying it back in a, in a separate um, account and lend it out. That way you get the same experience I did. That's a true blessing. So what I'm here doing today is just pointing out to you, this is within the scriptures. And as you think about it, and I'm pointing out these scriptures, other stories should be popping in your mind. Jacob, for instance. Let's look at Genesis 29, 18-20. What happened with him? He left his mother and his father. He went to his uncle. He had no money. He had no way to pay for anything. And yet, in Genesis 29, 18-20, as you are become aware of what Deuteronomy says, you start to see how this was already being implemented with his people way back then. So 18 through 20, we see the seven-year peace. And it says, Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter Rachel. Wow. Jesus says a lot of stuff that's in the Torah. And yet, we don't think about it. But right here, I'm having you think about it. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. So we have the seven years there. Now, go to 27. It says, Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also. So in other words, that's when he was betrayed and had Leah right and then he's wanting Rachel still he says also for this service which you shall serve with me for another seven years see that the year of remission they're practicing it here so he serves for another seven years we're going to turn to Genesis 31 3 through 7 <clears throat> I want to remind you before we read this portion though What's God want? He wants a cheerful giver. He wants somebody that's going to practice justice. And in this next passage, we'll see how Laban's heart turned away from Jacob. But for the first portion, when he's serving, it was a blessing. So in 31, 3 through 7, it says, The Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Now let's look at Jacob and to Laban here. It says, So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field and said to them, I see your father's attitude that is not friendly toward me as formerly. Had it been? Yes. That word formerly means that it had been favorable in the past. But the God of my fathers has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. 
Do you start to see some of these words from Deuteronomy 15 in there? I started to see that, and I see how you're supposed to show the person favor. They're doing double the portion of work. And yet, I never correlated it with this Deuteronomy 15 passage. And so God is bringing him out at the point where Laban turned his heart against him. I see these now with a clearer vision and with eyes more open and how we should be practicing benevolence in this different way. Not that we should change how we're going to be giving and how we're going to have a heart after God in what we give, but maybe we should change some of this amongst ourselves if we're lending amongst each other at times. So that people don't think it's just a a give out and we don't take away a little bit of their hope and their dignity as Torah Club pointed out First Fruits of Zion so I looked up today as I came in I thought well when is the year of remission of debts and I was calculating it and I was like well it would be great if we could just go forward like you know 21 and 28 would just easily do it that way however it's just one year past that it ends up being 2022 which equals um, 5,782 year so if you guys ever want to practice this and you want to think of it as a biblical piece just take your calculator put in the year of um, and make sure it's an equal part so that's what I did with um, 2022, I know that doesn't equal 7, but it does in the um, biblical year of 5782. So that's the year of remission for them. That's, that's an interesting piece that you're going to be able to practice with the benevolence giving if you go with that. <clears throat> and it, it also brings to mind in this Deuteronomy 15 passage where it says, don't hesitate to give to your brother or your sister when the year of remission is coming up. If you don't have that in mind, you don't even have the chance to even practice it. Hey, we're coming up next year. I'm going to have to forgive this debt, but he needs $10,000. What's that do to our minds and our hearts? We're not supposed to let it do anything. We're supposed to say, hey, here's ten dollars or $12,000. For that sake, make sure you get what you need. And knowing God will take care of you. And if He does, if you do it that way, and your heart's in the right way, it says right here in this passage, you will be blessed. Who's blessing you in the first place? God. Let's take this passage of Scripture, let's take this chapter and start to practice it within the disciple center. Let's help people keep their dignity. I remember my grandfather always teaching me growing up, you don't ever take something from someone that you didn't already earn. That was just part of the farming culture. But just like Paul, even back then, had to deal with people that just wanted handouts. Another parable that I thought about was when Jesus was saying that the farmer hired some hired hands later on in the day and the younger, the ones that were hired the earliest, got upset because they wanted to earn more. It's none of their business. 
This passage pops up in a lot of different parables that Jesus used. If if you know about it, if you implement it, and you have it become part of your practice in benevolence. I pray that that this teaching correlates and you start to struggle with it with, with your own practices. I know people have done several different things with their benevolence and setting aside monies. That's just... Um, that's very encouraging to me because I know in the past Karen and I have <clears throat> built up a substantial amount and we, we find the different places right in our communities that give back to those in need. Basically take those off the streets that are wanting the help and they have a structure that we really do agree with such as the rescue mission in Orange County. We give to them whenever we get a certain amount built up. Because we don't want to continue to hoard it. And we just haven't come across any situations at times. So we find those of like-mindedness organizations that give back to those in need. And so we encourage you to do the same. But you can't expect to get money back from those organizations, right? They're not, they're not going to let us loan them money. They run on donations. Um, yet, I don't expect it back in the first place. If they pay it, great. If they don't, that's between them and God because I loan them money from God that God gave to me. And so helping other people have that mindset is what I'm really talking about today. And so just take this, think about it, maybe read it for yourself and think, think about how God will work through you in this way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.